to episode one of Way Too Weird. My name is Annie. And I'm Sarah. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about topics like consciousness, aliens, portals, chakras, astral projection, vibrations, near-death experiences, and dimensions, and all of the ways that they show up in pop culture, religion, and societies around the world. To introduce ourselves a bit more, I'm Annie Burridge, a.k.a. Annie B, a.k.a. Annie Beast Mode. Beast Mode? I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville? Louisville, Kentucky. I get shit all the time because I don't pronounce it Louisville, which I guess it technically is supposed to be, but I'm from Illinois originally, so I can't really seem to shake it. We won't hold two against you, I guess. I don't know. I... I've been here for uh, 30 years. People still hold it against me. Hey, so you know what? You'll get it one of these days. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, let's see. Um, I am a visual artist, an animal-loving entrepreneur. Fair warning, I do have a foul mouth and often put my foot in it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> ew, that's gross. Don't make it weird. Um, but I probably will say some stupid shit that I'll immediately <laughs> regret. <laughs> That'll be part of the fun, though. Yes. I have always had a fascination with all things supernatural and metaphysical. I grew up watching all of the ghost hunter shows and anything paranormal related. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially loved Psychic Kids with Chip Coffee. Psychic Kids. Yeah. It's an insane premise, but I love it. I mean, not really. Kids be psychic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, but that definitely opened my eyes to the idea that consciousness can exist outside of the body, yes, which is super it crazy. Um, strangely, I am also a huge scaredy cat and can't watch any scary movies without losing sleep. And I am still afraid of the dark. Oh. Somehow it is worth it, though. I might just be a masochist, but That's who okay is to say? Probably my therapist. Um, In recent years, I've been completely obsessed with learning about uh, consciousness, transcending space and time. I've been consuming every paranormal and mediumship and near-death experience podcast that can get my hands on. Um, And honestly, I just think that the word paranormal is, it's science that we don't understand yet. So I'm really excited to dive into those topics with you, Sarah. Yay! My name is Sarah Spalding. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. (laughs) I'm an illustrator, barista, magician, dog sitter, occasional world traveler, and currently I'm trying to figure out how to make a living out of art. (laughs) Um, I love all things fantastic. I grew up reading about dragons and orphan wizards, you know, like... R.I.P. Harry. R.I.P. Harry? Well, is Harry dead? He might as well be. You know, J.K. really fucked it up for everybody. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I love horror movies. Shout out to my anxiety disorder. I've always had a pretty skeptical relationship to things otherworldly, even if I do desperately want to believe. I've kind of held myself back, you know, accepting what works for me and shunning what doesn't, but... Since my dad died a few years ago, I've had this shift in reality, and I've become more open to all things woo. As in, like, woo-woo. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm hoping this podcast experience will help me to continue to open up that third eye, baby. 
I'm pretty sure it will. I can't I mean, imagine you being a skeptic for very much longer. No. Episode two, I think you're going to be all in. It's deep dive in that one. Okay, now y'all know who we are and what we're doing here, so let's jump into today's topic. We're going to be discussing an alien entity that you don't hear about a lot. It's the praying mantis, a.k.a. the mantis. Ooh, ah. <laughs> it is an eight-foot-tall praying mantis-like being that has been witnessed in alien abduction experiences, psychedelic trips, deep meditation, and astral projection. Yeah. Begging the question... Who the fuck are they? What do they want? And why are they so creepy? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, maybe it's just a little judgy, okay? Okay. Like, they can't help it that they're not in a human skin sack, you know? They're in a... Exoskeleton sack? Yes. Why why are we talking about sacks? Let's get the show going. Oh my god. Alright, I'm gonna start us off with some insect facts from Wikipedia. Um, From the Greek... Mantis means seer, prophet, which kind of makes sense given the whole praying thing and the posing and, you know, all of it, really. So there are 2,400 different species of praying mantis. I'm saying they can be blue and green and white and purple and pink and red. And their cultural significances include the Greeks thought it could help lost travelers find their way home. Imagine just, like, following a bug home. Absolutely not. That would never happen. (laughs) The ancient Egyptians thought that the bird fly was a minor god that helped to lead lost souls to the underworld. That seems more likely, honestly. In pre-Columbian Nicaragua, it's the Madre Culebra, or the Snake Mother, symbolizing power and female authority. Yes, that does make sense. They are great predators and a great alternative to pesticides. You heard it here. Apparently... Allegedly, let's say, they make pretty good pets. Although, after what you're going to hear, I don't know if you'd be down or if I'd be down. I don't know if they should be kept as pets, honestly. So I'm going to go into pop culture real quick. And, you know, I think that's important to cover because it kind of shapes our reality and our perceptions and our, you know, thinkings. Thinkins? <laughs> That's what I said. It's Kentucky, you know? I'm gonna stand by it. This is from the Space Ghost Wiki page. Zorak, full name Zorak Robert Jones, is a giant space mantis. His race is called Dokarian, and he refers to himself as the lone locust of the apocalypse. His character was presented as the Archenemy of Space Ghost and was later added to the cast of the cartoon talk show, if it can be believed. These creatures are snarky antagonizers intent on crippling humanity. Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a DC character called Mantis, not to be confused with the MCU, because again, DC. So this is from Wikipedia. Mantis, aka Omar Bashir, first appeared in DC Comics in Forever People number 2, June 1971. He is the leader of a colony of humanoid insects, and he was given power by the villain Darkseid. He is described as an energy vampire. 
Known a few of those, am I right, Eddie? Oh my god, that sentence was an energy vampire. Yeah. His abilities include immortality, super nice, uh, superhuman strength, durability, speed, like all the boring ones, right? Uh, flight, teleportation, most interestingly, energy absorption, manipulation, and projection. Okay. Excluding radiation. I don't know why, but interesting. Um, he also has the ability to generate heat cold and no big deal antimatter okay. i look i looked up what antimatter is and i still don't get it so you know good for mantis okay cool great information yeah this next mantis also named mantis and in the beginning of her creation she started at marvel went to dc went to eclipse went to image and then ended up at marvel again so this is again from wikipedia she first appeared in Avengers 112 in June 1973. So, similar timeline, really. Um, according to the creator, Steve Englehart, she was intended to be a femme fatale, but became the celestial Madonna. Don't you hate it when that happens? Honestly, that sounds like a dream career. <laughs> Alright, um, this made me laugh when I researched it. In her second ever comic book appearance, Justice League... One four two. At the end of the episode, she has to dip out to go give birth. Representation. Mm, okay. Bef- before that, though, she talks very cryptically, referring to herself in a third person. She says, This one has come from a place she must not name to reach a place no man must know. Again, dream. Her character bio is something like, Sex worker, barmaid, avenger, mother, celestial Madonna. Basically, she's a character created by men in the 1970s to appeal to other men in the mm-hmm. 1970s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Her abilities include regenerative healing, energy protection, astral projection, Hey-oh. chlorokinesis, or plant control, precognition, pyrokinesis, hey girl, Empathy, and she's an expert martial artist. Cool. Okay, Annie here. I'm going to get into some real-world experiences and history about the Mantis alien. I got some of this info from Ancient Aliens, the Netflix show Encounters, and Linda Moulton Howe's book called Glimpses into Other Realities. Look, I'm just going to say it. I think I might love Ancient Aliens. Like you love Ancient Aliens or you love the show Ancient Aliens? Potentially both, but specifically the show. Okay. And and like, granted, I just started watching it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like so on board. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like by episode two of this podcast, you were going to be way deeper in this than I am. So respect. Yeah. Um, okay, so to start with... Paul Hellyer, who is Canada's former Minister of Defense, has come out publicly saying that the government has had direct contact with alien beings from different star systems and that one of these beings resembles a praying mantis. And yeah. then, I know. This guy was the, the Minister of Defense. He was. And he's just blabbing out all the secrets. You know, old dudes ain't got nothing to lose. And it's about time that people are talking about this and destigmatizing it. Because yeah. the amount of people whose careers were completely oh, yeah. ruined, lives ruined, yeah. I 
fully support him coming forward, and Hell anybody yeah. else should be doing the same you thing. You know what? To Paul Hellier. 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 All right. All right. Moving on. So let's get into alien encounters. Oh, no. Oh, yes. In 1963, in California, Linda Porter was 17 years old when she was first abducted by aliens, which happened multiple times throughout her teens and 20s. Um, She remembers being on an operating table surrounded by greys, you know, the little grey aliens, those classic aliens. Um, And they were examining her, assessing her genetic and energetic makeup. And in the background, there was a tall, praying mantis-like being who was far more intelligent than the greys and seemed to be calling all of the shots. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Um, She said that the mantis alien and the greys seemed to be intent on understanding the human soul and how it survives physical death. Oh, God. What does that mean for Linda and... Ooh, I mean, well, apparently she saw, like, people, like, in suspended animation inside of this kind of operating type of room where they're being studied. I mean, pretty cryptic shit. Um, they would just experiment on people to the point where, anyways, eventually she contacted this investigative journalist named Linda Moulton Howe, who subsequently wrote a book about her experiences and in that book, she includes drawings that Linda Porter made of the experiences, and you can see the actual mantis men and mantis man and the alien greys as she remembers them. Oh yes. Then in episode one of the TV show Encounters, in 2008, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw a UFO in Stephenville, Texas, which ended up being one of the largest UFO sightings in U.S. history. And then one of these witnesses, who apparently was very credible, very down-to-earth dude, everybody could attest to it, um, he said that he saw figures inside of the craft, and they looked like fucking praying mantises. Wait, they were fucking praying mantises? No, 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 no. They looked like fucking praying mantises. Okay, so they were praying mantises that look like they fuck. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, uh, no comment. Alright, I also have an encounter that I want to talk about. And I got this off of a podcast called Aliens and Artists. And this episode was called Man Meets Mantis. So if you want this whole story, go listen to it. It was fascinating. So this guy, Stuart Davis, right? He has lots of fevers when he's a kid. And he's always left with this impression that afterwards, he's forgotten something important. Kind of like when you're having a dream and you you remember it so vividly and then it's gone. You mm-hmm. know, It's like the download failed. That's, okay. how, that's how he describes it. So as he gets an adult, he remembers this feeling. And he gets the idea to combine meditation with a high fever to try to capture what he's been missing. So he's purposefully getting a high fever. I don't think so. I think he's just opportunistic. And he has this fever and he asks the fever to meet the spirit guide. Enter the mantis. Eight foot tall, purple robe. Hmm. Different than your white robed guy. Hmm. So there's clicks and pops. Um, Stuart is then hit with 
a nonverbal energy download with the message of remember who you work for. That is super cryptic. And also, what do you mean by amidst clicks and pops? Are you yeah, talking like, about the so, way that they would... Yeah, they were, like, kind of speaking, but it was a very, like, clicky-poppy, like, alien insecty sound. But then I think he... It was like a, um, you know, mental, uh, mind-to-mind kind of Like a telepathic thing. Yeah. yeah, I was seeing that, too, actually, that it was, like, that, yeah, they would speak in, like, insect sounds. Yes. But then also telepathically. Also really like the idea that this insect is like, remember who you work for, (laughs) you know? Yeah, what the hell does that mean? Who is he talking about? Well, let's get into it. Years later, he meets this random woman, this Russian woman, and he gets hit with a flash of a movie. Like, it's re-downloaded into his brain. Like a recovered memory? Yeah, like a recovered memory. Like he remembers a dream, but it's from the Fever Mantis Experience. Is that a good album name? Fever Mantis Mantis Experience. Yeah. Put a pin in it. Okay. So he writes the script. And he gets in touch with some producers. And amazingly, (laughs) they're into it to his surprise and trepidation. He's nervous about it because he's like, I don't know what this is. This just, like, entered my brain, mm-hmm. you know? And he didn't feel like he... It's almost like he wasn't the author of it or something. Like, right. it just was there. So, this summarized the plot is something like, a Russian woman is trapped in a human trafficking ring, and while plotting to kill her captors, she gets visited by a mantis entity. Not surprisingly, the movie is called Mantis. Um, but it's actually spelled with a one instead of an I, which oh I think gosh. is like really cool. So uh, many people that were involved with the production of the movie Mantis experienced close encounters with the insect of the praying mantis over and over and over. What do you What do you mean they experienced like, close encounters? Like this guy's on a walk, and then praying mantis like lands on his shoe. It's not just like they saw one. It was like they interacted with them. Or like this woman goes home and a little praying mantis is like at her front door, like waiting for her. That is crazy. It's wild. Okay, so Stuart begins meditating every night at 3 a.m. with the idea that he's going to get back in touch with the mantis. And this leads to nothing. So he gives up. And like it so often happens when you give up on something, it happens. Mm-hmm. He then has two separate sound experiences. So one morning he's woken up at 3.30 a.m. by coyotes. And then he hears this weird reverse tuning fork sound, like... Well, that's... Hold on, hold on. So a uh, tuning fork is like... Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. Wow, I just impressed I myself. Really, that do impress me much, Dang. you know? So he's a musical guy. That's what he does. So he takes it really personal, you know? He hears the sound that's coming from nowhere. And he's like, I know what that is. So he's too scared to investigate it. Um, so he goes to bed. Um, then it happens again the next night. 3.30 a.m. coyotes. This time followed by hearing test sounds and and he once more takes this personally because he had a lot of hearing tests as a kid probably related to the fevers 
And this time, he has an extra witness in his wife. His wife is awake for all of this, and she's hearing it. And she's also like, I'm going to go to bed. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, same. Um, Right? So neither of them can bring themselves to go up to the deck. He's just too scared. So in 2018, Buddy goes to a Buddhist shaman, and she suggests to try to channel the mantis. So they do that. And the shaman says that he glowed. He glowed. He glowed. Wow. So, personally, he is experiencing, like, his eyes are closed, he's laying on a couch, and he's experiencing this, like, strobing light behind his eyes. And he indeed makes contact, and the mantis speaks through him. And he says ten things, which I will now tell you. Okay. Number one, it's okay to be afraid. If the mantises meant harm, it would be clear. Is that a little uh, That's a threat. menacing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number two. Remember who you work for means remember his own deepest values. So remember that you work for yourself. Okay. Serve yourself. Well, that's nice. Um, that three, mantis entities are real ontological others that come from a place physical human bodies don't inhabit or understand. They have a presence on various physical worlds and Earth is one of them. And that right there reminded me of the cryptic thing that the comic book mantis says, the the femme fatale celestial Madonna says. This one has come from a place she must not name. To reach a place no man must know. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Just like a really interesting little overlap there. Mm-hmm. Number four. Praying mantis insects are related to the big ones. The insects are described as nodes gifted to Earth tens of millions of years ago. Synchronicities with the insects are related to the signaling from the big mantises. Number five. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so that ties exactly back to when they were filming. 100%. And all of the little mantises were bugging 100%. the staff. 100%. Whoa, that's crazy. Okay, so number five, they are non-malevolent. But I should specify, they're non-malevolent to his family. They don't mean okay. his family any harm. Okay. So it's not necessarily saying, we come in peace. It's just meaning, we mean you specifically no harm. Okay. Um, number six, there's a disequilibrium between them and us. And I think maybe this means, like, time-space disparity. That's kind of what I got from it. Disequilibrium. I mean, to me, that makes it sound like they're better than us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think about, like, equilibrium is, like, balance, right? Right. So maybe it has to do with, like, vibrational differences, different frequencies. That's kind of the impression I got. Okay, interesting. So, number seven, time is experienced differently for us and them. Mm -hmm. Number eight, Stuart isn't being abducted. Um, See, previously, he was trying to figure this whole thing out his whole life and thought maybe he had been. But the Mantis explained they do work with greys. And that's why Stuart feels connected to people who have been abducted. Oh, see? Worked with the greys. That's exactly what I was saying. Yep, yep, yep. Number nine. The sounds that he experienced above his house were indeed from the Mantises. 
and they made it personal so as to be recognized by Stuart. Number 10, alcohol is a huge signal barrier between us and them, and it's described as one night of binge drinking can impede four nights of attempting contact. Well, that makes total sense because I've heard plenty about people who are trying to meditate um, or reach higher vibrations Mm -hmm. and they're not able to do it when they're drinking or drinking impedes their ability to reach that higher vibration. So if they can't hit that vibration, then they can't have the same kind of contact. Right. Makes sense. Then Stuart goes into the friends he's made along the way. Fellow mantis encounter haver, Jacqueline Smith is very intense. And she describes her experience as seven, seven mantis beings uh, in their astral forms. She says that she has, and some of us humans have, mantis DNA. Mm. And that we've lived past lives as mantis. Says that mantis are very creative. She emphasizes the artist link. She calls them interdimensional, ancient, very loving, and most interestingly, the big mantis can look through the eyes of the praying mantis insect. Like a little, little, uh, you know, sentry. Like a little drone. Mm-hmm. Stuart then says something I think that you and I should take to heart as we delve deeper into these woo-woo topics. And this goes for humans and non-humans. Okay, I'll let them know. (laughs) Anytime an entity presents itself as a higher guide, we should be suspicious and discerning. Trust should be built over years, and it should be conditional. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, you know, anytime someone's like, I am the leader, I'm in the power. I am in charge. (laughs) You should be like, are you? Also, don't trust anybody with that voice. (laughs) Stuart adds that his own experiences with the mantis have been steadily building that trust. His encounters with the mantis have led to three movie scripts, story bibles, paintings, music, hours of learning, and creating. He ends with the idea of primordial creative lineage, that creativity is our common link, and it appeals to these other non-human artists. So, like, Mantis, if you ever want to collab, you know, like, maybe hit me up. I don't know. Do you really want to open that door? I think it's been opened, Annie. Oh, shit. If we see a praying Mantis when we walk out of here... I'll be like, hey, what's up? I'll probably take a picture and send it to you. I'll let you know. Okay. I'm going to run. Where? They're everywhere. Oh, my God. You can't escape it. You're right. You're right. I'm fucked. Just deal with it. talk about some psychedelic experiences specifically with DMT which is also known as the spirit molecule. Um, My source today is from David Luke who's the author of DMT Entity Encounters and he states that dimethyltryptamine which is DMT it's a highly psychoactive molecule naturally occurring in the brains of humans mammals and some other animals and plants. Cool. It's speculated that DMT may be made in the pineal gland, which is really interesting because that's also where the third eye is, kind of tying back to that spirit molecule. Totally. I don't know. Um, So DMT activates dreaming, mystical experiences, near-death experiences, 
Amazonian shaman have used it for uh, thousands of years for their visionary properties. Most commonly, people experience encounters with discarnate entities. For instance, mischievous shape-shifting elves. What? And then a praying mantis alien brain surgeon. Whoa. See? Yeah, there it is. So I saw this dude on YouTube named Jamie Jaggers on the Dreaming Jaguars channel. Ooh, say that five times fast. Can't say it once. Don't, don't make me do it. Um, in his recounting of a DMT experience, he said that he was transported to an alien planet where he saw a vehicle, which he described as a neon chariot of light. Then he was suddenly face-to-face with an alien mantis insectoid entity. He said it was cold and analytical, and it seemed to be scanning him to get all of his genetic makeup and his energetic makeup, which to me sounds very similar to Linda Porter's experience of them studying the soul. Totally. You know, I can't help but make the connection back to the energy vampire comic book characters. You know, like, these people are describing... Um, they're scan- getting scanned for genetic makeup and energetic makeup, and they're studying the soul. Well, maybe that, fe- what does that feel like? Maybe it feels like you're getting the energy sucked from you. So that makes me think of the energy vampire. Oh, uh, that. yep, that is a great point. So there we have it. That is our episode on the mantis alien. I think it's pretty wild how connected all of those stories seem to be. I love it. It's amazing. Life-changing, maybe. I mean, it was for those people who got encountered. That was pretty (laughs) wild. So most importantly, would you keep one as a pet? Um, I perhaps no. I hate the idea of keeping one in a terrarium if it's supposed to be an interdimensional drone. Then it's like a spy cam. It's a lot of cosmic pressure. Like... What if I'm negligent, as per usual? Uh, yeah, so my answer is a big fuck no. First of all, it's a bug. I do not do bugs. Is it a bug? Okay, I don't know, because it could be a bug or a spy cam, neither of which I approve of. Mm. So my answer is no. Okay. That's it, then. Thanks for listening, and as you go about your day, hemming and hawing about all the bad shit, contemplating what's the worst that can happen, try, try, try to remember what's the best that could happen. And if you guys have any mantis encounters or any other generally weird experiences, let us know. You can email us at waytoweirdpod at gmail.com. That's two as the number two, waytoweirdpod at gmail.com. We'll talk to y'all next time. Stay curious and keep it weird. Way too weird.